Welcome to a very uh, expeditious edition of Under Further Review. We are just going to do what we like to call our three-minute warning, which is akin to the two-minute warning in the NFL, but it's the three-minute warning in the Canadian Football League. So it's our hot takes on things that have just cropped up in the last couple of weeks. And it seems like there have been a lot of little things that have come up and nothing um, super kind of big or overriding. So that's why we thought today would be a good time to hit on a bunch of quick stories um the first of which is really in my wheelhouse uh, from my former career as a bankruptcy lawyer uh the star of dance moms abby lee miller has pled guilty to bankruptcy fraud and is now facing two to two and a half years in federal prison um so ms miller uh, apparently hid over three quarters of a million dollars in assets um, when she filed for Chapter 11 protection, including $120,000 in cash that she um, secreted back into the country uh, after a trip to Australia. She and her travel companions broke the cash up into, um, I guess, blocks of less than $10,000 since that's the customs limit of how much cash you can bring in and out of the country. Well, that's good that she didn't violate yet another law. Well, I wonder if that's how she figured if any of them got caught, they could excuse not declaring it. Just be like, oh, well, it was less than $10,000. I didn't have to declare this. I'm going to think that maybe she did think of that because one, she was smart enough to like try to hide assets during her chapter 11 filing and the fact that they tried, they did break up the chunks of money into amounts less than $10,000. Yeah. That's a lot of traveling companions too, to break up $120,000 into at least like 13 kind of buckets. You know, you have to use the whole box of Ziploc bags when you buy it. Otherwise, what are you going to do with the rest of them? It would be evidence (laughs) left over. Um, but as a little bit of background, so in a chapter 11 case, before you actually in a case, before you file, um, part of the filing process is you have to identify all of your assets and those are considered your pre-petition assets. Cause when you file for bankruptcy, it's called a bankruptcy petition. Um, and those assets need to be maintained unless you get a court order saying that you can keep using them. Um, they're supposed to be maintained for the benefit of your creditors. And that's why it's really important to identify all of your assets when you file for bankruptcy. Um, You do have to, as the uh, debtor, which is what Ms. Miller was, you have to sign the bankruptcy petition on penalty of perjury that you're being honest with everything that you are putting in there. Um, It's certainly common, I think, for um, from time to time, particularly if it's not a well-planned out bankruptcy to identify stuff later on. Um, And then you can file an amendment, but... um, That's different than trying to hide it. Exactly. And, you know, you'd have to, I think, establish that there was a reason that you didn't know or didn't include it in your petition in the first place. So um, she is free on bond, uh, as I understand it now. Um, She's going to be sentenced in October. And as I said, she... People who are uh, convicted of bankruptcy fraud usually spend two to two and a half years in prison. Um, is it um, the minimum security sort of country club prison, or is this like serious federal prison? I believe so. It's a nonviolent crime, um, so it might be somewhat akin to uh, you know Orange is the New Black, which is where uh, star of The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa Giudice, um, spent her year in jail oh, okay. after committing bankruptcy fraud. So okay. this seems to be the new crime due jour for uh, reality TV stars. Um, but yes, I do think it's one of the less, 
it's not a maximum security prison that she'll be going to. So maybe she can lead a dance class. <laughs> I think Martha Stewart made uh, friends yes. while she, she was in prison. She lost a so. considerable amount of weight working out in prison. So she came out yeah. a much slimmer, fitter Martha Stewart. So. I've heard the food in there is not great. So um, that... Uh, probably part of it too yeah so that's dance moms um just a quick question about abby lee miller sure. so i don't watch dance moms is she really the star of the show or well is it... she's like the head teacher i okay. think arguably the star of the show is maddie ziegler who is the little girl who okay. dances in all the sia videos oh, who is yeah. um really a phenomenal talent mm -hmm. um but abby lee miller is like the i think she's the teacher of okay. the um that's fair. I just oh, I show. just wanted to make sure because they say things like star of, and then when you actually watch the show, you're like, oh, it's like a tertiary character. That right. So like that would be on the Real Housewives uh, series of shows. One of the friends of the Housewives who isn't actually a full mm -hmm. cast member. She is definitely Abby Lee Miller is okay. definitely the equivalent of a full cast member. Got it. All I've right. now disclosed a lot about my uh, Real Housewives viewing habits. So please don't judge listeners. <laughs> Um, so that uh, that was Abby Lee Miller, which doesn't lead us into Aaron Hernandez, but th he was just next on the list. I mean, I like reality TV and I like the Patriots, so that's... Uh... Well, okay, as a Patriots <laughs> fan... Aaron's in trouble. Um, so I think... I actually am not sure if we have discussed him, his uh, case, the murder of Odin Lloyd, in too much detail, because I think by the time we started this it podcast, had mm -hmm. it had been over. Um, but he, Aaron Hernandez, was convicted of um, murdering his friend and his baby's mother's girlfriend's, or no, sister's boyfriend, Odin Lloyd. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's not actually married, but sort of brother-in-law equivalent, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, shooting him to death in a parking lot and then leaving him there. Uh, that conviction happened in 2015. There were two other guys, uh, Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace, who were arrested and charged um, both with the homicide, but also as accessories to murder. Um, Mr. Wallace was uh, convicted of the accessory charge, but not of the murder. And this week, Carlos Ortiz, the uh, last um, corner of the criminal triangle that is Aaron Hernandez and his friends, uh, pled guilty to the accessory charge. In court, Carlos Ortiz said, and I quote, when we got to the spot, the only two people that got out of the car was Aaron Hernandez and Odin Lloyd. He then said he heard a gunshot and added, quote, the only one person that came in was Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Now, this is important, not just because it's kind of dealing with a, an athlete, and that's what we talk about on this podcast, but also um, Aaron Hernandez, I believe, has appealed his conviction. Yes, he has. Um, so certainly does not look good for him um, as part of that process. Yes, and of course, Aaron Hernandez's attorney will say that, yes, the, Mr. Ortiz said these things because it was part of a plea deal. He was avoiding, you know, much more serious charges, which is the murder, and he's probably right. only, I mean, I think it's only four and a half to possibly seven years that he'll go to prison for being an accessory after the fact. And so really, how much stock can you put into what he says? Because he obviously had an interest in saying these things. Right, and I believe Aaron Hernandez is was sentenced to life in prison for the mm -hmm. actual murder of Odin Lloyd and um, he's still awaiting trial for the uh, double murder of two victims whose names I can't think of right now but they were killed in Boston um, 
like a year before the Owen Lloyd murder. And uh, they've been able to, prosecutors think they've been able to tie that to Aaron Hernandez. So, and also believe, I think the operating theory is that Odin Lloyd knew that he murdered those two guys and that's why Aaron Hernandez killed Odin Lloyd. So it's a very tangled web he is weaving. So Yeah, and I don't know if um, Mr. Wallace or Mr. Ortiz are going to turn state's evidence with in relation to those other two murders. I mean, I don't know how much they knew of what Odin Lloyd knew or if they were just these two unlucky accomplices in that night that really bad night out so yeah and none of the um news reports that i've seen have talked about their involvement in the other murder case um and it's my understanding i think aaron hernandez may have um switched counsel so there was a delay yeah in, in the that trial, yeah. um second trial so um we will certainly keep you updated as to um the trials and tribulations of, of aaron hernandez because this doesn't look like it's a story that's going away anytime soon yeah, and he is a favorite topic of ours so he really is he's a he's a real special snowflake <laughs> that aaron um uh let's see so moving on from football players to hockey players mr vander kane has been getting himself into quite a bit of trouble in buffalo new york he has been i don't know if it's the last name of kane in the city of buffalo that seems to be causing problems mm -hmm. um as a callback to one of our earlier episodes a uh, patrick kane who plays for chicago blackhawks was uh charged or was being investigated um for rape charges last summer um, in the city of Buffalo. That's where he's from. Evander Kane, uh, no relation. <laughs> he plays for the Buffalo Sabres. And, Is he um, from Chicago? No, that would be really no, weird. <laughs> I he's from Vancouver, oh, I think. Okay. So he's Canadian. He should be a nice person, but... Turns out he may not be. I think there's always a one bad apple in every in every barrel, right? I suppose so, and Evander Kane may be that bad apple. Um, so last... Friday, um, Kane was, he's being investigated for an incident that happened last Friday at a bar in Buffalo, um, where he allegedly, um, physically harassed two different women at the bar bottoms up, which is on Chippewa street in Buffalo for anyone from Buffalo who might know what we're talking about. Um, and there are two separate police reports in one police report. Um, Kane allegedly threatened the um, woman in question and made nasty comments to her. They went outside at some point and he grabbed her around the throat and tried to shove her into his car. That sounds really bad. Yeah, that does sound really bad. Um, in the second incident, um, he apparently grabbed a woman by her arms and tried to drag her or force her out of the bar with him. They, the police uh, reports also note that um, Evander Kane is six foot two and weighs 205 pounds. No discussion of the physical strength of the women involved, but presumably they are much smaller than that. Um, so he has not been arrested. Uh, to this point, his attorney, who actually represented Patrick Kane in his rape case, um, he has said they've reviewed the videos from the bar and he did nothing wrong and he was never told to, he was never thrown out of the bar. He didn't do any of this. Um, but the investigation is ongoing um, to the extent they find that he's done anything wrong. Apparently, the alleged actions would constitute a second degree harassment, um, which. According to the news story I'm looking at now is not a crime, but I think they must mean it's not a felony yeah, because I believe it is a misdemeanor. If it's not a crime, the police wouldn't be investigating yeah. it. So shit reporting there. So, <laughs> um, 
But what I think is uh, two kind of two things about this story is um, one, Evander Kane was just like three months ago cleared in a sexual assault investigation um, based on uh, events that took place on the night of December 27th of 2015, where a um, woman brought herself to a hospital in Buffalo, had no recollection of what had happened to her, but was in a lot of pain. Um, based on an exam that was done at the hospital, they believed that she'd been a victim of sexual assault. So they um, investigated Evander Kane. Uh, the uh, woman in that incident, it's my understanding that she didn't seek to press charges, um, that the whole uh, investigation was initiated by medical staff, um, and ultimately they didn't find sufficient evidence to uh, move forward with charging him. Nonetheless, I, oh, you have a question. Yeah, well, yeah, I have a question. <laughs> um, because I probably did at some point read about that assault in December, but I can't recall the details of it right now. Were they, did they know to investigate Evander Kane because of a recollection that she did have prior to her forgetting what had happened or? That's a really good question. Um, they, that's not really clear okay. from the um, story that I read earlier today. Um, that came out after he had been cleared. Oh, okay. So they didn't detail whether she did remember being with him and just couldn't remember what happened mm -hmm. after that. But we can definitely, I say we, I can definitely look into that. And have well, an I'm assuming, next time. I'm, yeah, I'm just assuming that they wouldn't just start Randomly investigating. Him yes, out. exactly. Yeah. That's probably a reason. You know, reasonable cause for suspecting that he was the one, someone involved in what had happened to her. Yeah. So the research that I have says that there was no accusation ever made against him, but the authorities started an investigation after a young woman who spent the night with Kane sought medical treatment at a local hospital and said she couldn't remember what happened. Oh, okay. So based on that, it does sound like she was able to identify him as the person she had been with, but mm -hmm. she couldn't recall what had happened. So I know one of the things that we've talked about uh, really briefly is that um, in some jurisdictions, you don't actually have to have a, the victim press charges, um, that it really, once uh, law enforcement is called, that it's kind of taken out of the hands of the victim because lots of times victims don't want to press charges for whatever reason. So that no longer becomes their, you know, it's not their choice anymore. Their, yeah, it's not yeah. their choice anymore. It's law enforcement is the one who's actually, it's the state against um, an individual. So I don't know. I, for some reason, I thought that that was more prevalent than it is. And it doesn't sound like that's really the case. Yeah. And it seems like in this, um, the prior investigation that they, you know, the state did take it upon themselves to investigate, um, what happened with, with him, even though the young woman um, didn't choose mm -hmm. to, she wasn't pressing the investigation mm -hmm. forward and they just didn't find enough evidence to, um, move forward with charging him. But this is sort of the second or third, depending on how you count it, incidents where mm -hmm. Evander Kane has allegedly uh, had an, a physical interaction with another human being that was unwanted. Um, so the uh, GM of the Buffalo Sabres was asked about this, you know, kind of what are you going to do about Evander Kane? What are your mm -hmm. thoughts? Yeah. Um, and his, this is his quote from, he was at the NHL draft when he was asked about this. Um, if it's true, then we have to deal with it. If it's false again, then I guess we have to come up uh, with a pl different plan of attack to make sure these accusations that may not be true, how do we stop them from happening? He then added, I haven't spoken with him, but I've heard the stories. 
Um, the very first part of it that came out didn't sound very good. The stuff I've heard since from various people that have made statements about that night say they didn't actually make statements. I've talked to his agency. They've heard a different story than what was reported. So really, I'm commenting, but I can't comment in detail. I've got nothing to comment on. That was a very long way of saying no comments. Yeah, commenting. nothing of value to say there. But I think to his point, you know... We hear, you hear this uh, kind of hysteria about how like women are constantly accusing people of rape falsely Mm -hmm. and this is terrible and you know, you have to Mm -hmm. assume the worst of, um, you know, I shouldn't just say, it does seem to, I guess when the, when the story is about how people lie about rape allegations, it does seem to be a woman is lying about a man raping her, but Mm -hmm. we've said this before and we'll say it again. Sexual assault is not always a man attacking a woman, um, but you know, uh, there's this uh, false belief out there that women frequently make this shit up mm-hmm. that just doesn't, it's not true. And the fact that Evander Kane now, in the course of six months, has been accused by three, well, well two, two different people. And a medical exa- professional. Yeah. <laughs> of, um, you know, uh, having inappropriate contact with a, another human being. It, like, this doesn't happen to everybody. Clearly he's doing something wrong or the people around him are not helping him mm-hmm. make good decisions. To that point, um, the, when you read his statement, and I had read the GM statement mm-hmm. earlier in the week, and because you, you can interpret it two ways, which is we have to do something about women who are seeking out Vander Kane as prey to right. these, like, whatever these schemes that they have to either extort money or whatever. But the other way that you could read it, which is, we need to get Evander Kane into some sort of program where he learns that putting your hands on somebody is not cool. Yes. So that's, uh, so there's, there's two ways of reading it. I'm not, I don't know the GM, so I don't think that, you know, why I should give him the benefit of the doubt that he means it in a more positive way than a like lying manipulative women sort of way but um the gm definitely he's been compared to dwight schrute this is tim hmm. murray of the of the sabers but you're right that that having i guess hearing it sort of um on paper and not hearing him actually say it in context it could absolutely be taken both ways that either we need to do something to stop Evander Kane from making stupid decisions that put him in a position Mm -hmm. where he can get accused of this stuff Mm -hmm. or women are evil and should stop accusing him of doing things he doesn't do yeah because if he's constantly putting himself into situations that are you know like might rely on his judgment to get them out of it and his showing very poor judgment then yeah, and then maybe he should undergo some sort of sensitivity training or maybe have, like, a, a minder or something. <laughs> Which is apparently what they are doing for Patrick Kane this summer with the Chicago Blackhawks. He's not being allowed to leave Chicago yeah, and go I home mean, to Buffalo. He is going to be that shit happens in, in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was Patrick Kane, um, not to jump around too much, but he was convicted or perhaps pled guilty to the assault oh, of a cab driver, driver. Yeah. in Buffalo. Right, a while back, which mm-hmm. you would have thought he would have learned his lesson then, mm-hmm. but apparently not. Yes. So, um, again, the Evander Kane um, investigation is ongoing. Um, to the extent we have any updates for you as the weeks go by, we will mm-hmm. definitely provide them. But uh, I'll be interested to see what the Sabres do about this, regardless of how the criminal yeah. investigation shakes out, because the NHL... Uh, maybe it's because I follow a lot of women who are hockey fans on Twitter, but it seems like the NHL has been getting a lot of flack for their... Oh, not being responsive to... 
Yeah. Yeah. So not being responsive to, you know, players who allegedly commit crimes against um, Mm -hmm. women. And also um, there's a lot of sexist chants that go on with respect to um, certain players, such as uh, calling Corey Perry of the Anaheim Ducks, Katy Perry, and calling Sidney Crosby, Cindy Crosby. (laughs) Um, He does whine a lot. He's gotten better, I think. I'm a huge Sydney Crosby yeah. fan. <laughs> um, but, you know, to the... Uh, oh. Yeah, but I understand that the idea that, like, if you're trying to show people that you're not a Neanderthal sport and you are trying to appeal equally to men and women, you can't have your audience members basically denigrate another gender. Right, and the commissioner, Gary Bettman, when he was asked about, like, the Katy Perry and the Cindy Crosby mm-hmm. um, chants, he was basically like, that's not sexist. That's oh, just Gary Bettman. That's why people boo you. I know, it's, nobody likes you, Gary Bettman. Um, but, you know, it just very much felt like, oh, girls, yeah. stop whining. And it's like, no, it's that's obnoxious and totally mm-hmm. inappropriate. My favorite incident of this happening, though, was Mike Bil- Milbury, who is a commentator on uh, NBC Sports Network, mm-hmm. referring to Daniel and Henrik Sedin, the identical twins who play for the Vancouver Canucks as Thelma and Louise, <laughs> as if that was a sign of weakness. And it's like, you know that Thelma and Louise were right, like total badasses exactly. and then drove off a cliff. Yes. This makes no sense. <laughs> I'm probably... I'd bet money that he'd never seen Thelma and Louise. Probably not. And he does have a connection to the Bruins, um, but I I can't support Mike Milbury. Well, um, and that brings me to the last point on Evander Kane, which is I hope that the Buffalo Sabres do the right thing because I am a fan of the coach of the Buffalo Sabres, Dan Bilesma, who um, is the brother of a friend of mine. So not name dropping, but I just really hope that the organization does the right thing because I happen to have faith in you know particular individuals but uh, well, and for for the sabers the right thing which i am using air quotes which become a thing really great for a podcast um, is uh, they may trade him so oh. i guess he'll become someone Some, else's problem yeah. which uh yeah i don't know if that's really the right thing to do but at least it gets him out of their organization mm-hmm. um yeah and Somebody else can try and fix him, I guess. Um, so moving on from Evander Kane. Oh, we're going back to football now. Sorry for jumping around so much. Maybe, maybe we didn't plan this out so well. But um, previously, we've talked about Johnny Manziel, and he had been kind of my favorite train wreck to watch. But then it just got really sad, and then I don't actually enjoy watching what's happening to him anymore because he just doesn't seem like... It was fine when he was kind of not self-aware and... But now it's just because it's like because it's like all drugs and alcohol and and he's spiraling out of control and his family is like he's gonna die if no one helps him. I mean, it's, yeah, when your dad calls you a druggie in an interview with like yeah. a national news source, that's not no. good. Not good. <laughs> um, but uh, this is actually more kind of back within the wheelhouse of the what we do. So Bob Hinton, who. I guess was one of Johnny Manziel's counsel. I don't know exactly how many he has or how many he needs, but he was uh, affiliated with um, Johnny Manziel's attorneys. He accidentally, according to him, allegedly, air quotes, texted to an AP reporter that Manziel would probably likely take a plea deal and that uh, he said at some point, heaven help us if one of the conditions is for him to pee in a bottle. So... 
Hinton had said that the text was meant for another attorney, presumably one in his office and not opposing counsel. Um, but the AP had texted Hinton and seeking a comment on the recent hit and run that Manziel was involved in. So it's come out today that Manziel has been suspended for four games for violating the NFL substance abuse policy. And it's likely that he will get more games um, once the investigation under the NFL's personal conduct policy concludes really don't have any word on like the timeline for that, but he's without a team right now. So, I mean, he's, if he ever gets signed to a team when he's out of jail or whatever, you know, he'll, he still will have some suspension, uh, suspended games to face. But, um, that brings us back to what Hinton did in texting inadvertently slash accidentally texting information to a reporter. Right, and apparently the text message also noted that he was in possession of a receipt that purported to show that Manziel spent more than $1,000 at a drug paraphernalia shop 15 hours after the hit-and-run crash. Um, so I will say I've had an experience where someone inadvertently sent me, another lawyer inadvertently sent me an email that was meant for somebody mm -hmm. else with my last name who was on their side. Um, usually as you know, between from one lawyer to another, you respond, say, you did not mean to send this to me. I'm deleting it. You should delete mm -hmm. it. We'll yep. you know, kind of not pretend in a negative sense, but this never happened. I'm not going to act on the information that you provided mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, but be careful next time when you blast it out to a reporter, it's, I think a little bit harder to kind of fix the mistake. Correct. And, um, yeah, so there are rules that govern attorneys for when they inadvertently disclose confidential information. Um, what happens to the attorneys that actually do it? In California, there are actually no rules that um, guide provide guidance. But, I mean, the, the American Bar Association has model rules that you're just supposed to notify the party that, you know, like, you like did this and or actually that you've received information that you shouldn't have received and then again as you've said like the two parties pretend that it didn't happen um and uh but it also creates some like ethical issues related to you know was your attorney being negligent when he or right. she inadvertently disclosed that information and that sort of runs to um like disciplinary issues that attorneys can face for violating rules you know um but yeah, I mean, I don't. It's so easy for us to do what Hinton did. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times, like, just getting responding to text messages, and it's not just text messages that I do with my friends because that would be fine. But when my, you know, partners and my law firm or colleagues start texting me, and you respond back to them, it sort of blurs the line and like how you communicate and replying all to emails when you should just reply only, and it's. It's a bad bouncy. <laughs> and I think this is definitely um, an issue with, you know, the pr different types of technology and various professions. It's not limited to the legal profession mm -hmm. trying to catch up with that. And the idea that like, you know, text messages, sure, it's, you know, I know for me, there will be partners that I'm trying to get in contact with and I know they're in a meeting. I know they've got their phone out and if a text mm -hmm. pops up, they can answer me. Yeah. Um, but to, I think, Jen's point, it's so easy to just write the wrong thing in the wrong bubble mm -hmm. and then like, oh God, I yeah. just sent out, you know, confidential mm -hmm. information to some random person mm -hmm. um, who shouldn't have seen it. So, um, I mean, I, I don't text with opposing counsel, so that won't be a problem, knock on wood for me. 
Um, but I mean, it is so easy when you're just typing an email address to like, you know, if you have a common last name, not that Dunphy is particularly common, but you know, if you don't actually look at, do a really quick read through as to who it's going to before you hit send, it's super easy to get information just like just sent out there. Yeah. So I think the, uh, the best piece of advice that I ever got was don't hit reply, just forward the email so that you are forced to specifically put in the people that you're meaning to send things to. Oh. Um, so that can protect against an inadvertent reply all when you mean to only reply to one person, which I think is less of a problem. Um, it's not really the same problem that Bob Hinton yeah. had, um, but he apparently has uh, recused himself from representing Johnny Manziel. Mm -hmm. um, he has. And I guess we will uh, see what happens with his domestic abuse case. Yeah, it's just really sad. And his football career overall. His, yes, the lack of football career that he has. Yeah. So one of the um, other things that Burke and I have been talking about, you know, not on the podcast because we don't actually record every single thought we've ever had about things. But um, so the Brexit happened this past week. Um, the vote actually was last Thursday um, for people who don't listen to the radio, watch the news, read newspapers or get information in any other source. Um, the United Kingdom uh, had a referendum and uh by a 52 to 48 percent vote, decided that they wanted to leave the uh, European Union, um, and you know there was a lot of um, publicity and campaigning on both sides about what that actually means for the United Kingdom. And I think for me, the message that I got was not was to some extent that the United Kingdom wanted to have more control over like certain economic issues because. According to some campaigns, they were sending a great deal of money to quote-unquote Brussels and not really getting anything in return. But I think the majority of what I heard was really about immigration issues and, you know, this was the United Kingdom's way of essentially building its wall around Mexico or <laughs> building a wall around itself and stemming the tide of um, immigration from either the, you know, the European Union or from people outside the European Union and they wanted to really clamp down on those borders. So um, since this is a podcast about sports and celebrities, we thought that we would look at Brexit from the point of view of how it impacts um, football, soccer, um, as opposed to like, you know, all of the really big pressing issues like economics. And I mean, there is apparently a concern about what's going to happen to Game of Thrones filming oh. since they um, film both within... I think yeah. they filmed throughout the EU, but um, much of Ireland? the North oh. is in uh, filmed in Belfast okay. or outside of Belfast okay. in Northern Ireland. In Northern Ireland. Um, um, so really, it could be years for anything to actually happen. David Cameron, who's resigned as prime minister, said that he's going to leave the triggering of Article 50 of the Treaty of Lisbon to the next prime minister to start actual negotiations to get out of the EU. And I mean, it could take years for them to negotiate actually getting out but in the like more immediate uh, future you know the salaries of footballers who earn money playing for the English Premier League or any of the um, levels of football there I mean their salary I mean what they've earned just take a, took a nosedive because the pound is at a 30-year low so right and with the um, for anyone who's following the euros um, England took a real dive out <laughs> of the tournament 
earlier this week, and um, apparently there are some folks in England who believe that part of the reason the national team is so crap is because... They're depressed? No. (laughs) Because there are so many foreign players who are taking spots on EPL teams that they can't have English people developing. Now, this makes no sense to me for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is, isn't there a cap on the number of foreign-born players you can have on a premiership team? I don't know if there's an actual cap, but if you look at England's, the players on the English team, they're all stars in the EPL, so it's not like you had to call someone up from like the Champions League or some lesser league in English football to play on the national team. I mean... I didn't say it makes it made no. sense. It was just a argument that I was reading about, which surprised me because uh, I think maybe I'm thinking of La Liga or Serie A, but I'm pretty sure there is a limit on the number of players who are born outside of England that you can have on the team. That is, but that is one of the arguments that people have made in terms of saying, yay, Brexit, because now we won't have as many foreign-born players in England, so we will have to grow our own. Um, So hopefully, they were hoping that it will spur, like, better English football players. I mean, I can go on for hours as to why I think England lost to Iceland, but I will not bore you to tears. Um, Tune into the Men in Blazers podcast (laughs) where they have a lot of um, really uh, thoughtful comments about Iceland and its youth development. Yes, and they spent probably 50 minutes last night just moaning about why England is so bad and Roy Hodgson in particular and how the English national team is just not mentally strong, so... That was a bunch of my commute last yeah. night. <laughs> um, so one of the things that will likely happen if England does, um, or if the United Kingdom does exit the European Union is rewriting the rules regarding work permits and the freedom of movement um, restrictions, which sounds oxymoronic, but isn't. Um, currently, you EU passport holders are free to play in the United Kingdom. Um, without a EU passport, you have to meet the home office criteria in order to get a work permit. And um, basically, you have to be an established international for a leading nation in order to meet the criteria. And there are these crazy rules. So, for example, one of the criteria in order to get a work permit is a player from a top 10 nation as defined by I think like FIFA only has had to have played 30% of their games in the two years prior to the date of application to be granted a work permit. So you actually have to be a pretty good player for a pretty good national team in order to get a work permit to play in the United Kingdom for the how the hell did Tim Howard end up getting to play for Everton? Because the United States is not that good. Mm. (laughs) So it does go from like, you know, a top 10 nation to a country ranked 11 through 20 to, yeah. So, I mean, the more, the lower down your country is on the list, on the rankings of countries, the more you would have to play. Got it. So Tim Howard, since he was the starting keeper, probably met the criteria fairly easily. And I don't know how far down the United States is on that list, but... Um, so, for example, 332 players in the first two tiers of England and Scotland would fail to meet the standard. So that's 332 players who would not have a work permit or would not be able to play. Wow. If, like, the United Kingdom were to, like, be kicked out tomorrow. Um, that inclu- and this includes 100 English Premier League players. Uh, Ingolo that's Conte shocking. and Dimitri Payet, who basically, Payet played on West Ham. He's scoring like amazing number of goals for France right now. And Conte, who played on championship winning or, you know, title winning Leicester City. That would be so disappointing for them to lose mm-hmm. one of their 
yeah, better players. Um, Yikes. So I don't know that this is going to be a huge problem necessarily because you can always write your work permit rules to allow f- for um, you know foot you know footballing exceptions because Norway and Switzerland aren't members of the EU and they have pretty like flexible rules for footballers to come play in their country. But for me, I think that it's because it's the an anti-immigration stance almost. I mean, players might not want to play in the United Kingdom. They might say, you know what, I'm not going to go there where it's harder for me to work, where you obviously don't want, quote unquote, my kind there. Right. Um, and so I will go to La Liga. I will go to the Bundesliga. I will go to Syria or whatever and apply my trade there and, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think um, it will be interesting to see what the how the players react. I know there have been incidents, I think within the Italian league where the fans have thrown bananas. Yeah. They're really racist. African players, even Mario Balotelli, who I believe is, he's he's actually, he's he's actually Italian from Italy, much like judge Curiel from Indiana. Um, anyway, that they, you know, people do horribly racist, um, things to these players and uh, I think in at least one incident the team just walked off the field and were like we're not putting mm-hmm. up with this yeah. Um, but yeah to have a whole country and now in fairness it wasn't the whole country it was 52% of the people mm-hmm. who voted basically say like we don't want your kind here mm-hmm. um, yeah you think people would think about staying home or playing somewhere else right because I mean you can make great money in um, Spain and Italy and Germany. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like they don't have plenty of options for other places mm-hmm. to go. Um, yeah, and that's not to say that there isn't like racist shit going on in England either, because there is, but um, this is not like be- like a policy statement on behalf of the country. It's, you know, rowdy hooligans, one-offs here and there. Sure. It's, it's different than when it's your the official stance of your country. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a really important distinction that this isn't just a group of idiots who decide to do something at a a football match. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, populace has decided this is the stance they want to take. And something that's kind of interesting um, as they're starting to have these negotiations about getting out of the um, out of the EU, apparently there are some folks who were pro Brexit who want to maintain the benefits of being in the single market but don't want the uh, burdens of the freedom of movement clauses. Um, So Norway and Switzerland, for example, I don't believe are part of the the single market, but they do allow for freedom of movement. Yes, because I know at least Norway took on a number of immigrants from, um, or refugees, refugees slash immigrants. So I think the, my understanding is the EU itself has, kind of said to uh, the UK, if you want the benefits of the economic benefits, you have to take the uh, freedom of movement Mm -hmm. as well. And it doesn't seem like with their internal politics, since they sold this as a way to keep out non-English people, um, (laughs) that that's going to be really palatable at home. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like the United Kingdom just looks like it's just falling apart. They're in a bit of a spot right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you have the prime minister resigning. You have Boris Johnson, who was maybe going to be prime minister, but now he's like, no, please don't consider me. It's just all very weird. After his like sidekick went and told everybody that he didn't think Boris Johnson was a good leader, yeah. which just... Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't really... It's 
it's crazy. But um, as part of our our minimal Euro coverage here, um, what's happening to David De Gea, who is the keeper for Spain, is fascinating. So uh, recently it came out that this guy named Torbe, um, who goes, whose actual name is Ignacio Allende Fernandez, was arrested last April on charges of human trafficking for sexual exploitation, sexual assault, pimping, child pornography, extortion, and money laundering. So it's in his trial that it's come out that David De Gea set up a meeting with uh, two of Torbay's um, trafficked humans, for lack of a better Victims of sexual exploitation. (laughs) Yes, for the two prostitutes that were quote-unquote working for Torbay. He is alleged to have set up a meeting between these two women and five members of maybe the Spain under 21 team. But it happened in Manchester, so I don't know if it's the Spain under 21 team or actually members of Manchester United. So the story wasn't totally clear. It seemed like it was all Spanish players, mm-hmm. maybe because David De Gea plays for Man U. That it took place It in took Man- place there. That's why they arranged it. Yeah. So it's one of the downsides to the freedom of movement in the EU <laughs> is that once you traffic somebody into one country in the European Union, they can move quite freely throughout the 27 <laughs> countries and it's harder to catch them. But anyway. Um, so, so he is alleged to have set up basically a mini orgy between these five players and these two women. Um, and there's text messages that go back and forth between he and one of the women. Um, it's not clear that he actually had sex with these women or just was a facilitator. Um, one of the two women, she's an unnamed witness, said that she had sex with two footballers in 2012 at a five star ho- at the five star hotel urban in Madrid. Oh. I thought there was one that also happened in Manchester. Maybe that was... Maybe he was organizing it for Manchester. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that could be it. Um, The stories are very long and kind of confused. And I think they're all translated from Spanish newspapers, so the details... Might be. ...are a little... uh, There might be something lost in the translation (laughs) process. Um, They were... The women were underaged at the time, and if it was for the Spanish Under-21 Club, I don't know if all of the men involved were over the age of consent or under the age of consent. That was something I thought would might be interesting because, you know, two 16-year-olds having sex. I mean, the human trafficking element is bad, but, like, normally two 16-year-olds having sex, not a crime. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this is really... Um, placed a bit of a dark cloud over David De Gea as Spain is in the Euros and um, and all these allegations are coming out about his role and his, I guess, probably his relationship to this human trafficker uh, slash pimp. Right, like how did he know him to mm-hmm. send him text messages to arrange this? He actually sent the text messages to the girl, but oh. he must have gotten her number from... Yeah, how did he meet the girl? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's all... Up in the air. There are lots of stories, or you know, lots of allegations. Uh, David De Gea's girlfriend of six years, who is a Spanish pop star, came out in support of him today. Of course she did. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess what else is she going to do at this point? Because I think to sort of emphasize the um, David De Gea has not been charged with anything. This mm-hmm. is all just coming out as part of Torbay's um, trial. Trial, and I believe I read on Vice Sports. Dot com, who are not sponsors of this podcast, but maybe someday. <laughs> um, 
uh, that Torbay has said that there are, he's got lots of other footballers' names that he would be happy to share, but mm -hmm. the police don't want to hear it. So um, whether that's because we're talking about a lot of important members of the Spanish national team or what he didn't explain, but... Um, yeah. If the cops aren't asking questions that they should be, that's certainly disturbing. <laughs> um, and I'm sure if uh, Torbay is going to give up the information, it's going to come at a price. Right. And I would think what's the, I mean, what's the use in him even talking about any of this if he's not been charged with anything? Yeah. Oh, David De Gea. Yes. Yeah, yeah correct. He has not been charged with anything. Um, He's just had a, he's just been, well, he's accused of having had a hand in arranging the encounter, but I couldn't tell from any of the articles if this was actually a crime in Spain or not. Or like the accusation of Torbay as opposed to yes. a yes, accusation actual, in court. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you would think, I think based on the way I understand the crime of human trafficking, to the extent you're facilitating the kind of transport and use of another human being mm -hmm. for um, sex, that constitutes trafficking. Yeah. Um, so it would certainly seem as though if he participated in this whole process mm -hmm. that David De Gea is a human trafficker, <laughs> allegedly, because I don't want to be sued. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, who is... Is Spain still playing? No, they got knocked out by Italy. Oh, that was it. All right, but well, there was talk that he was going to be forced to leave the national team and sent home, mm -hmm. which I don't think ever happened. No, but he they, was, yeah, he played during that Italy match. Uh, they were knocked out uh, on Monday. Mm. Um, two to nothing. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like it was entirely his fault that they lost. But um, Yeah, I mean, I would not blame him if his thoughts were elsewhere during the match. But... You know, as I am have been told, like professionals know how to compartmentalize things. Otherwise, they would be just like hot messes all the time. If since they get into so much trouble off the <laughs> off the field, they certainly do. Um, but I think as of now, he has said that you know my lawyers will prove these are all lies. This is mm -hmm. has nothing to do with me. There is, excuse me, at least one other um, Spanish player who was specifically named. Mm -hmm. Um, in Torbay's case, a guy named Iker Munian, um, who I will say when I first saw that first name, I was concerned it was Iker Casillas, the former goaltender for the Spanish national team, who I was a big fan of until they crapped the bed in the last World Cup, <laughs> which was very disappointing. But um, yeah, this I think was another member of the under-21 under team. Under-21 team. Um, I know, so the last thing that we will cover today is you had uh, some thoughts you wanted to share on Disney World. Yes. So after our last podcast where I um, had some harsh words for the mom of the little boy who um, found his way into the grill enclosure in Cincinnati, I felt like I'd be remiss in not commenting on the um, very tragic death of um, the little boy in Disney World who was drowned by an alligator while playing in a pond that had signs that said, do not swim there. He wasn't swimming, just. So he was standing there, so technically he. <laughs> so yes, he was standing in about like a foot of water. So he was playing okay. in about a foot of water, but he, would, he did not like just jump in and start swimming out. Not that, I mean, I kind of feel that alligators get closer to like shore anyways, but I mean. I right, know. well, I know in Florida, um, they, they live in like, water hazards at golf courses there's a big don't they live in sewers and everything yeah. like or 
alligators are everywhere. In yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously this is a very tragic story. A two-year-old died probably going after his parents with criminal charges is not the, um, the, what they need right now. I'm sure they're the death of their child is punishment enough. Um, that said, they were investigated. Um, my understanding is they were investigated for child endangerment mm -hmm. um, because the pond that this little boy was playing in, Disney World did have signs that said no swimming no in swimming. the pond. Yes. However, these signs did not indicate that you shouldn't swim there because there are fucking alligators <laughs> in the water. Yes. It just said no swimming. That's right. So, you know, you I guess one could think what was going through the parents' mind. Like, well, it's a little pond. Like, it'd be hard for him to drown in because it's not... Um, not like deep water like the ocean, so maybe it's safer. Probably and they don't want us to swim here because it's, you know, standing water and could be oh, dirty yes, exactly. or whatever. Um, and I don't actually know if the little boy could swim. Not that that made a difference, but I mean, I'm sure parents would feel better letting their kids play near water if they were like, oh yeah, my kid can swim, he's taking swimming lessons, and so I don't have fear of him drowning as opposed to... I really didn't think that being dragged off by an alligator was a potential <laughs> option for what was going to happen this evening. Right. And so, you know, I, part of me was wondering, could, because on the one hand, it seems like the result sort of proves the crime of child endangerment since you let your kid play in a pond that you were told not to let them swim in and then he died. Mm -hmm. However, to the point about Disney World's um, uh, liability, they apparently they were aware that there had been incidents with alligators crawling out of this pond. Yes, that there were alligator sightings for several years, I think. And they did nothing to warn people that the reason you shouldn't swim in there mm -hmm. is because, among other things, there are alligators. Yes. So can the parents be held responsible for that? Um, can Disney World be held responsible? responsible? Mm -hmm. So... I have not seen indication that the family is going to sue Disney World for, for you know, no, and I negligence. They probably have uh, at least a bit longer in terms of the statute of limitations. Oh, absolutely. So they may be recovering right now um, and figuring out what their next move mm -hmm. would be um, once they've had time to process their grief. But to uh, sort of equate this story to the story of Harambe, five alligators were killed in the effort to find the alligator that drowned. Um, the little boy in question, mm -hmm. um, which is very kind of compounds the sadness of this, but yes. And I mean, no one would argue that alligators are an endangered species in Florida since they're fucking everywhere. <laughs> but, um, but yes, again, like five alligators had to, had to die. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if that's like, do would they normally try to destroy alligators if they found them in like, because I mean, this pond is a man-made pond. It wasn't like a naturally occurring one. So. Right. And you would think that, I mean, I guess they probably needed to go out and find the alligator thinking that the alligator now is cool with eating people yes, or attacking dragging, yeah. humans. Mm -hmm. um, and that can't be allowed to go on. Um, but it does seem really alarming for Disney World um, that they knew allegedly knew that there were alligator sightings in this pond and did nothing about it. And now a little boy's died and um, mm -hmm. this family has to suffer because these folks didn't do anything about the alligators when they yeah. knew they were in there. Um, but yeah, I just really terrible encounters over the past month with little kids and wild animals. And hopefully parents can keep better eyes on their children and uh, the 
people who are, I guess, overseeing the property where these animals are mm -hmm. manage their situation better than they have been. Um, so really that's all like the seven things that we wanted to talk about today in really quick succession. Uh, we'll be back next time. So thanks for listening. Bye.